Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 68 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is June 3rd, 2009, and we have a very exciting show for you today on the podcast. If you're not familiar with the podcast, it's basically our USC internet radio show. We put it on once a week, comes on on Wednesdays, and we talk all about the USC Trojans recruiting, everything that's going on around the USC football program. Uh, first up, of course, in our first segment, we always have the coach, Harvey Hyde. We'll be talking to him. we got some user questions he'll be answering, but we also have a very special guest later on in the show. We're going to have Steve Smith, the uh, former USC wide receiver, award number two around USC, won a couple national championships, went on to the New York Giants, and won a Super Bowl there. So we're going to talk to him. We're also going to talk to Zach Lajato about USC recruiting. But first, of course, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, what's going on, man? Ryan, maybe, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I've been traveling a lot and trying to get ready for the football season and hoping to get a little vacation. But, uh, you know, everything's getting ready. It's like a, an off season that really isn't an off season. And, you know, they're in an off season in college football anymore. They're in an off season in anything anymore. So you just try to get everything done as fast as you can at the best of your ability. And uh, now it's time for us to do our weekly show and again i want to thank you and thank southern california ticket service definitely southern california tickets they're our sponsor for this segment sctickets.com is the website address or give them a call 1-800-888-7287 coach i don't know if you know this i just called them last week i gave curtis a call i'm going back to boston to visit some family Uh, my girlfriend's never been to fenway park she's coming back with me so i called up curtis he got me tickets six tickets together in fenway park they're all sold out and the ticket prices are crazy he got me a good price, so it was cool. I'm pretty happy with uh, SE tickets. I don't see. I can get you six tickets in a row at Fenway Park. I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Normally, it could be two, two, or three, two, or ones or something, but to get six in a row? I was, wow. I was impressed, so I'm uh, I'm happy. In Boston? Way yeah. back in Boston? They sell out That's every game good. there, Coach. Yeah, it's crazy. That is, that is something crazy. So that should give everybody an indication of uh, – how good Southern California ticket service is. And I know I use them for not only sporting events, but, you know, concerts and different things I take my family to and friends to. So they're the best. They're the best. So why mess around? All right. And, uh, Coach, we got a bunch of questions that came in this week. We love answering your questions. So if you have any, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can write out a question. Or if you want, send us an audio file. We have another audio question uh, this week, we're going to play that uh, for you, and so you can hear your voice on the podcast. So we're going to we're going to start off with that, Coach. Is that cool? That's cool. Let's uh, and we want to remind everyone out there that uh, we're getting more and more questions, and we like that because we really want to answer the questions that you want answered. Yes, and uh, it's fun, and especially in the off season when there's not too much going on. I mean, there's always recruiting and everything, but. We'd love to answer your questions, anything about the team, as you're looking forward to spring football and, of course, the 2009 season. But, uh, all right, here's our first question. Hey, this is Jeff in Reno, and I'm trying to be quiet while I ask this question because I'm recording this at work. But if you guys had to rank the top three or four or five USC quarterbacks of all time based solely on their USC careers, who would they be? And would guys like Rob Johnson or Todd Marinovich be on your list? All right, Coach, that's a... Interesting question about the all-time quarterbacks at USC. Not what they did in the pros, but what they did while they were at USC. And the, uh, I mean, you probably remember some guys back from the 20s and 30s that were really good winning championships. So that's a little wait before a minute, my time. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you trying to do now to me? Beat me up. Don't beat me up that much, okay? I'm beat up enough. Just kidding, Coach. <laughs> Hey, Jeff and Reno. Good. Jeff and Reno, thank you very much for asking this question. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, when you look and you, and you say uh, rank the top quarterbacks uh, as far as uh, 
in in the history of USC football. Well, obviously that that gets me very quick, and and you know it hits me without much preparation. But let me tell you the way I look at it. There has been different types of offenses at USC, and there have been great championship teams at USC. So there have been quarterbacks who probably don't have a lot of stats that have been a big part in teams winning. And it starts with your quarterback position, and it determines that is determined by the philosophy of what's being run. I mean, you, you, you don't think as Paul McDonald is a great quarterback, but he was a great quarterback at a team with a team that won a lot of games. Was he tossed the ball off and they ran the ball a lot and play action passed a lot and was the leader and the guy that was flying the plane and calling the plays and called the huddle and so on. So, you know, you, you, you remember Steve Soggy, you remember guys out there that, that maybe don't have the names of uh, Carson Palmer or uh, Rob Johnson or Matt Leinhardt or, or Mark Sanchez, they're all great quarterbacks, but they're all uh, in a different type of system with a different philosophy at a different time. So it's hard to rank, say, the top three ever. I would say that there's been a lot of great quarterbacks who fit into systems that have produced great teams. And, you know, when you played for John McKay, you uh, the best thing you had to learn how to do is toss the ball and run 28-sweep. And occasionally you played action pass. And and you can always remember the stories of Craig Fertiger, Pete Method. I mean, and the great quarterback jobs those quarterbacks did. And, and so I, I can't really rank the top three best quarterbacks of all time. I can say there's been a lot of great quarterbacks who have fit the system of their coach at that time, you know, you you got to remember Pat Hayden. I mean, look how many games Pat Hayden won. So I don't want to slight anybody. So I'd say the quarterbacks that fit into the system that produced national champions and and had people perform around them and they were able to make other players better through their abilities, I would say, you know, Everyone could pick three. I can't pick three because I thought during the time I've watched college football or USC football, there's been a lot of great ones that have fit the system. No, it makes sense, Coach. And I mean, with Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart, it's hard to uh, argue against those guys. They won the Heisman. I mean, you could look at Leinart's career, and it could be the greatest college quarterback career ever. You know, I mean, he's he's, he's up there. He's just what he was able to do, uh, you know, couple national championships, winning the Heisman Trophy, um, you know, going to New York twice. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff, obviously, with him and, you know, Carson Palmer being the first quarterback ever to win the Heisman at USC. And that was a big deal. And it was a big drought, you know, between Heisman trophies, uh, you know, from when Marcus Allen won to all the way to when Carson Palmer won. And I, I liked a lot of the guys you mentioned. I mean, Rodney Pete, you could, you could put him up there. I mean, he went sure. head-to-head head with Troy Aikman. I think they played, I think, Two or three times, and uh, you know he beat him every time, so that was kind of cool. And I, I, I believe it was when uh, USC was coming in you know, the mid '90s, and they finally broke that Notre Dame streak. Was it John Fox that was in there at quarterback? I don't. I, I'm kicking myself. Can't, right? I can't remember. Yeah, I, but, you know, yeah. we've had a lot of quarterbacks that have performed that that didn't get the publicity or didn't throw the ball as many times as Matt and Carson and so on. But their teams rushed. Remember, it used to be called tailback U. Oh yeah. So you know, it, it, the philosophies have somewhat changed now under Pete Carroll, as far as the type of offense and the type of quarterback that is utilized at USC. So obviously, now the quarterbacks are big names at USC. You know, Sanchez, Booty, Leinhardt, uh, uh, Parma, Parma. Those are all in a row. And there's and how about this year now coming? I mean, you know, it's a uh, Corp and Barkley and you know who knows Mustaine and who knows who's the next one going to be. So it's turned now that USC rather than being a uh, tailback U is now quarterback U, and it's a little bit different too. But if you were, when's the last time that a USC running back hasn't been all Pac-10? I mean, think about this. You don't even have an all-league running back at USC, let alone a Heisman Trophy winner at USC. 
So the philosophies have changed a lot in exactly what's going on at USC. So it's hard to rank them, but they've all done a great job as far as fitting into their systems. And, you know, some of the quarterbacks uh, uh, didn't have the success. There's been some lean years, too. Sure. But it's not always been the quarterback's fault. You know, there's been a lot of other things surrounding that, too. The guys that impressed me, too, in college, I mean, when you look at, and it, they just weren't in the greatest of situations, and if if you put, like, a Todd Marinovich or a Rob Johnson in, like, the Pete Carroll era, like, if that was one of Pete Carroll's recruits, man, I mean, Marinovich, he was just so special, and then, obviously, it, he had a lot of screw-ups and stuff since then. Uh, I, I mean, it'd be amazing to see, Coach, like, a really good team around those guys, like you would, you know, like a... Like, are they more talented than like a John David Booty? I know it's hard to say, but I mean, they, I think they would be winning. They have won a lot more games if they were in this kind of era with with Pete Carroll and his recruiting prowess and the way he's brought the prestige back to this program. It would have been fun to see like a Marinovich or a Rob Johnson in this kind of system. In this type of system, you're exactly right. They were very successful in the systems they were in, but not to the magnitude where they would have got the opportunity of throwing the ball as much as they throw the ball now at USC. They were a running football team at USC during those uh, those times, and they passed the football just to keep the defense honest. Now they're a passing team, and I really believe they're a passing team and run the football only because they have to. I really believe that. They are not. They want to run the football. They want to be able to do things equally, but they don't do it. They, they can't. They're not successful at winning a football game or Making a defense feared of you by your running game. They didn't. They don't have that. They, the defense, when they prepare for you, must stop your skilled athletes and your passing game before they do the run. In the old days, it's hey, you better get up on the line of scrimmage and learn to hit somebody because they're going to run right at you. Today, that is not the fact. So, uh, I, I would like to uh, see them develop the running game a lot more, better, and, and spend more time on it. And, 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 and maybe be really a little bit more balanced. What I mean by that is believe in both uh, the same, yeah, but uh, right now I, I haven't seen that happen. All right. Uh, cool, and thanks, uh, Jeff and Reno, for that question. We, he sent in a few of them. I think we have one more from him. We'll probably play that on next week. But I like the audio questions. Please send those in, podcast at uscfootball.com. Uh, all right, here's a, a question from TD. This is a technical question, Coach. So I, I think people use different terminology, but he wanted to know what are the, the defined positions for receivers? They like F, X, Y, Z. What are those kind of receiver positions? All right, normally when you hear person people talk about X, that's normally your split end, or that's the receiver that's towards the open end or the tackle side where there's no tight end. So he's X. Y is normally the tight end. Y. Now, sometimes they take the tight end out or they move the tight end off the line of scrimmage and they call him an H-back, which means he he goes across the, the formation and motion and so on. He's a receiver and a, a blocker. Or they even leave Y in the game and put an H-back in and place the fullback and he's a big receiver that is a blocker and a receiver. They call that H-back. Z is normally the receiver. Z is normally the receiver that's towards the tight end side or the Y side. He's the one that's off the ball. That means if you get into a slot formation, he normally goes over and he's off the ball. X is on the ball. Z is off the ball towards the split end side with the slot formation. So it's been X, Y, Z going across, or it goes Z, Y, X across the side. Now, they, they give different names. Like you said, what, what was the other? So I don't know what SC uses their terms. I really don't. But normally, basically speaking, it's X, Y, Z. Some use number systems, but it depends on, you know, your philosophy and the way you call your play. So, yeah, I think sometimes USC will call the, the slot receiver. the I think it's F. They'll do that sometimes. I've heard different things used, but... And so the Z would be like what they would call the flanker usually, Coach. Is that right? That's the flanker. Okay, yeah. So the Z would be the flanker. The the X would be like the split end or whatever you would say. Right, split the, end. The Y would pretty much be the tight end. And I think they right. just call it F for the uh, the slot the slot guy, like if they would use a three-receiver set or if you move the tight end over. But, yeah, it's just – I mean, all the, it seems like there's similar terminologies, but different schools use different 
codes or whatever for what they like to do and then just you know that's how it's all fit in their playbook it, is that what you use coach or what what did you yeah, use letters yeah, we used xyz okay. yeah we we always use the same xyz so it was uh always easily understood if i yelled i need an x uh, that was a split in if i need a z, z that was a flanker and you know people can play both don't get me wrong but when i used the terms uh slot when we needed a slot that was a z now, maybe what SC does is they call it a Y because maybe if they want a certain formation or they want a bigger receiver in there and not a Z in there, they say, give me a Y. And they have a Y and they have an X next to each other rather than a, a Y and a Z. Uh, I don't know. They might just have four names for the receivers rather than three. There's always reasons why you name your receivers uh, certain things and the way you call your formations are either by color or number or whatever or by term. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, uh, it basically, if I would say the standard, I'd say 90% or 80% of the teams in the country, X, Y, Z. All right, cool. All right, thanks to TD for that. Uh, next question is from Paul and Santa Ana. There's a couple here, but uh, basically about using the draw. He said the USC defense has been vulnerable to the draw at times, especially – when it's a quarterback draw, and do you think, uh, you know, the the team has plans to kind of address this weakness, or what kind of stuff can you do to address that? Well, you know, you have to work at it. Normally, what's happening—I don't know if it's a quarterback draw—but there are a lot more skilled athletes playing quarterback, especially with the spread and so on. And quarterbacks now run with the football. Now at USC, they do not encourage their quarterback to run with the football. But most universities today, they have great athletes playing quarterback. So they give that quarterback an option that if he looks down the field and someone's not open and you can get the first down, take off and get it. Because these guys are great athletes now. So uh, you're, you see more running quarterbacks now than you've ever seen before. And you see more quarterbacks now getting hurt than ever before because that's just part of the offenses and the chances now of quarterbacks getting hit. And what happens, if you remember the Oregon team a couple of years ago, what happens with a lot of people, Oregon was going to be the number one team in the country. They were going to play in the BCS Championship Bowl game, and I forget what game it was. It was Arizona State or somebody who lost their quarterback, and all of a sudden they lost the next four games straight because they didn't have that type of athlete to follow the type of athlete they had playing the quarterback position at Oregon, and, and their offense really changed. In fact, I think UCLA beat Oregon that year with a – can't remember the name of the quarterback that was playing that year in the in the Rose Bowl. But then they came back and they won their bowl game. I forget. They went back to uh, another quarterback and they got it going again. But uh, you, you, it's hard to stop everything. And – Stopping a quarterback in his draw is very difficult. You got to sort of spy it. And quarterbacks, you got to when the quarterback drops back to pass the football, you got to cover the field. And and when you have one that can run, man, that makes it very difficult. So you got to really uh, either not rush one tackle or 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 spy him a little bit with a backer. But but it's very difficult. Very difficult when you have a great athlete playing quarterback. Uh, and he can run. I think a quarterback draw is just a great play, and I'd like to see the Trojans use that a lot next year, whether it's a draw or a broken pattern, and, or if Aaron Corp has that opportunity to run for the first down and, and slide and not get hurt. I, I'd like to see him do that because that really puts a strain on the secondary and the pass rush. The pass rush itself is is really slowed down when you know a quarterback can do either a quick draw or a drop-back play. Uh, nobody's open wrong with the football. Yeah, agree, Coach. And uh, follow-up for that, he wanted to know maybe Chris Gallipo now stepping in at middle linebacker, kind of known for being a little more disciplined than when Ray Malaluga was, who would just kind of rush into play sometimes. You think having him in there can make a difference? Well, I think so. I really like Chris Gallipo. And I, I think that Malaluga did a great job at playing middle linebacker and played very angrily at, and, and so on and, and intimidated a lot of players. But Chris is a technician. Chris is going to be a great middle linebacker for USC. And I, and I think yes. The answer to that question is yes. I think Chris will be able to feel the play and be able to read the play a little bit quicker than Ray. 
Uh, not that Ray couldn't, except Ray wanted to hit somebody all the time. And, and as a middle linebacker, you sort of you got to feel your way and know exactly what's going on in coverages as well as, as hitting people. So, yeah, I would think that Chris will play the pass better than Ray, and he'll also have a feel in the middle as far as not allowing quarterback draws or trying to play in a position we can make a play on one. All right, cool. Thanks to Paul and Santa Ana for that. And uh, last couple questions we have are from Martin uh, in L.A. Um, so he's talking about the level of talent. There's a lot of uh, defensive ends at USC, and there's some talented ones coming in there. Because there's so much depth there, do you think that they could use them in different positions on passing downs, like maybe moving Armstead and Griffin inside, which both of them have played inside, and then having like a guy like a Malik Jackson or Devon Kennard, something you know, like more speed rush guys, putting more speed rush guys outside, and then moving some of the ends inside just to get a bigger pass rush on passing downs. You know, uh, I think you, you can do that, and what you just suggested, I think, is one heck of an idea. Because uh, when it's a definite passing situation, third down and nine, third down and eight, third down and ten, twelve, whatever it might be, I'll tell you what, those four guys, all you need is one guy to break free. And I'll tell you, I, I even thought that Griffin could play inside. Now, I'm saying you know he can play inside. And Malik Jackson and Horton and all of these other guys that can play outside. Uh, Perry, uh, I'm telling you, Perry had a good spring. People that say didn't hear much about Perry, but he's getting better and better. The kid from Michigan. Yeah, I think it'd be a great idea. I think it'd be great to see that happen. I think it would be awesome to see, like you mentioned, four people like that in the game on a passing situation. Uh, for uh, I think it would just raise havoc for people. I mean, you know, these guys, you can't keep all four of those guys out at one time. I think it's impossible. One of them will break through if they're all playing hard and going, and they know they're in there for that reason. And, and you know, you're not trying to fool anybody. You know what you're going after the quarterback. It's a passing down and so on. You're not even going to pay attention to play-action pass because if they do play-action pass, if they're going to run the ball, the linebacker's going to stop before they make a first down anyway. I think it could be crazy, man. I, I, I tell you what, I, I think that's a heck of a move. In the, and you described it perfectly, perfectly on – who you'd move inside and who you keep outside. That's that's really a and then you can blitz with that group too. So wow, I, I like that. I like that and I think you're gonna see I hope you see that because you know, uh that would really make you dangerous on defense. Yeah, I think with Jethro Franklin, it's gonna be a, there's gonna be some different looks to this team and I really think you're gonna see a huge improvement on the defensive line and I think you're gonna see a big improvement on special teams just getting those you know, the new coaching's in there and kind of different philosophies and stuff. It, I really think that the USC fans are going to be happy to see what they do on the defensive line. And I think Franklin will move guys around a little bit like this. So we'll see. I mean, they always like to use rotations, but it would be fun to kind of see guys move around like that. And, you know, of course, if there's injuries and stuff, you might be limited to what you can do. But there is a lot of depth at defensive end. So I think it's a good question because they do have options there at defensive end. I'll tell you what, what it happens, it, it puts a mismatch on your offensive guards. Your offensive guards never see speed like that. They see power rushers. They see guys six foot, six two, three hundred and thirty pounds. Power guys they have to block and so on. They don't move around that well. You put a Griffin and an Armstead in there down and put them down on them on their nose. Wow, those guys won't even be out of their stance. Those the they just start to get out of their stance and those guys will be in their face. So uh, I think it's a great, great idea, uh, and, and uh, I wouldn't be a bit uh, surprised if, if SC tried that because they do have a lot of depth as far as two at the defensive events where they wouldn't drop off that much. In fact, they, they may have some kids, and I'm not saying that Griffin didn't quick, but they may have some kids playing defensive end that are as quick and quicker as far as Griffin, as far as on pass rush. Yeah, no, I agree, Coach. There's a lot of athletes there, so that, that'll be fun to see what they do. Um, all right, last question. This is uh, also from Martin. He had another follow-up here. Uh, talking about the, the offensive line, they were kind of banged up in the spring, of course, but do you think the offensive line has improved enough to make the running game better, or do you think that the all the injuries in the spring really left more questions than answers? 
Well, you know, you've always heard me. I'm on the, I'm on the same. You're, I'm a broken record, okay? You got to believe in the run. You got to you got to make your players believe in the run. They got to be tough as far as man blocking, and they got to know they got to do it. And I don't know if I've seen that commitment yet. I mean, you can be hurt and block. I mean, I don't think they have that many injuries in the spring. I'm not talking about injuries in the spring. I'm talking about making somebody hard nose where you can punch somebody in the nose. Or he, if somebody holds him on defense or grabs his face mask, the guy wants to turn around and say, the next time you do that, I'm going to pull your arm out of your shoulder. Uh, I, I, and I think you've got to uh, run blockers, this type of individual. And 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 I haven't seen SC when they really need or want to prove they can run the ball do that. And what I mean in the spring uh, that was first and one on the two during one incident uh, incident uh, situation in the spring, and they threw the ball and Thomas picked it off and ran seven yards down the sideline. I mean, and the defense laughed at him. What I mean is Norton. And I'm, and frankly, had fun with it. Okay, they did have fun with that one. <laughs> yeah, they did have fun with it. So, well, what I mean is, you got to line up with your offensive line. You got to tell those guys, hey, we're not throwing the football. It's fourth down. It's the first down on the four. We're not throwing it one time. You're gonna, we're going to run this ball in, or I'm going to take you guys out, and we're going to run on the 405 freeway every morning. And you're going to be blocking cars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, you, you, because they got to believe that no one can stop us. No one can stop us on the five in on run. We'll run it in. If we have four downs, they cannot stop us. And you got to teach that. You got to run that. You got to run it, line up, and do that drill every day. And you got to give the defense 12 players even to build their confidence. Say, okay, we're going to run this, our running drill on the. On the goal line situation, give, you guys got 12 players. Now, we still got to get it in. And eventually, these guys will believe that when that time comes, they know they can do it, but they've just done it against one of the best defenses in the country. And that's their own defense. And this is what you have to do. And I haven't seen, I'm not being, the, you know, saying, the question was asked me, so I'm answering it honestly. I haven't seen that philosophy yet at SC as far as play calling or coaching as far as saying this is what we are going to do when we need to do it and we're going to be able to do it. Uh, I still see sometimes an open open formation with no running backs on the two-yard line or five-yard line. I say, what is this on first down? Yeah. It's almost an insult to the lineman <laughs> saying, saying, we don't have enough faith in you as far as being able to run the ball in. You know what I mean? No, I, I agree with you, Coach. You know, that'll be an interesting part to see because it seems like there's been some drop-off there and they have talent on the line. Uh, but, you know, I got a couple of new guys in there calling plays. You got Morton, uh, you know, as the offensive coordinator. We'll see how things change. You know, uh, Coach Bates, obviously, he'll be doing the play calling, but new offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator is a former receiver coach, so I don't know if that bodes well for what the running game is. But we'll have to see. And, of course, it's Pete Carroll's philosophy. But we'll have to You're see. exactly what you said is right. You yeah. can be a coordinator. You can be anyone. Pete Carroll's a boss. Yeah. <laughs> he Pete Carroll says, we're going to run the football in there. They're going to run the football in there. He's going to get somebody else to teach them how to run the football in there. Okay? Yeah. But it comes from the top. Cool. All right, Coach. Well. I think it was a good segment. We got a lot of questions in this week, so we didn't really have a uh, a topic, so to speak, like we normally do. We just answered a bunch of questions, but it's good. And if you guys have more questions, of course, podcast at uscfootball.com. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, we are definitely willing to do that. But they did start off with their workouts, Coach. Uh, players started throwing the ball around a little bit, and on Monday, Coach Carlisle has his conditioning workouts going. So now the you know the May evaluation period's over. Coaches are back in the office, and now they're starting their summer workouts. So it's uh, we're on our way towards fall camp in uh, the, the 2009 season. It is, and recruiting's going on, too, with more uh, verbal commits and so on. So 
it's a busy time, busy, very busy time of year. Yeah, camps will be coming up. We'll be covering all of that on uscfootball.com. And, uh, Coach, maybe you should come down to the camps with us and check out some of the prospects. I want to. You know I will. Okay. I'll be down if I can. If I'm in town, I'll be there. Make sure you call me now. I will call you and let you know. There's a couple, especially right. the USC Rising Stars camp. That'll be a big one. A lot of talent. When is that one? When is that camp? I think it's the June like 24th, 25th range. I think that's the days it is. And there'll be tons of talent from all over all over the country coming to that camp. It's as it, it's as pop, you know, as uh, highly popular as like you know any of those Nike camps. But there's it's more of a national pull. So it's it's got to be if it's not the premier, it's one or top two or three like school camps in the country. So it's a, it's a good one to watch. It's the end of June. Yeah, towards the end of June, like I think the twenty fourth, twenty fifth in that range. But Is I'll, it during the middle of the week? I believe it's a weekday kind of thing. Yes. Oh, good. Well, make sure you let me know that. I will let you know, Coach. I'd like and, to uh, get down and watch that. If you want, we'll have all kinds of video and pictures and stuff uh, on uscfootball.com from those camps, so stay tuned for that. But anyway, Coach, thanks for the great segment. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much. And for everyone out there, keep those uh, questions coming. Keep them coming. We'll be back after this short break talking to former USC wide receiver Steve Smith. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we have a very special guest, as promised. He is a third year with the New York Giants. He's a Super Bowl champion. He was actually the Giants' leading receiver in 2008. And won a couple of national championships while wearing number two at USC. We're here with wide receiver Steve Smith. Steve, how's it going today, man? It's going very good. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, we wanted to have you on. I, I, going on Facebook the other day, and I saw you have this uh, new fan page. I wanted you to maybe talk about that a little bit and see what was going on there. You had a lot of videos and stuff from, uh, you know, from training camp and the new facilities over there. What's going on with your Facebook page? Yeah, you know, it's just something I started, um, you know, looking at other big-time athletes like Shaquille O'Neal and guys. You know, I wanted to, um, you know, do something where I could interact with the fans and kind of, you know, bring them into my life a little closer than just them coming to the games or coming to practices and stuff. Now, what? Uh, where can people find that? If you go onto Facebook, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of Steve Smiths on there, is there an easy way to find it? I mean, they can find it by going on um, Facebook and clicking on Steve Smith. And they, if they look under like athlete, um, they'll be able to find it. So, okay, so it's not too hard. We actually put a link to it. We have a USC football Facebook page of our own. We put a link to it on there, and I'll put some links on uscfootball.com as well. If anyone has trouble finding that, and uh, I was watching your videos, man, the new facilities look really nice. You guys got that underwater treadmill and all this stuff going. On. I mean, that's just brand new, right? Yeah, it's a brand new state of the art facility that um, you know we got built during last season and now it's completed and just really excited and uh you know we've been working out there for for this off season and it's just been great to you know go to a new facility you know where everybody's excited to work at now uh what's your schedule like right now are you in la or are you in new york like how, how often do you have to be there training and stuff well now these are um, voluntary workouts but these are organized you know team activities which they call them otas and you know, I'm giving 100% um, attendance here, but before, you know, I was back and forth from L.A. a lot, and I stayed downtown in uh, one of the new buildings down there. So, um, you know, I love going back and forth, but right now I'm out here and working out four days a week, trying to, you know, just take it, take advantage of um, working out with the team and, you know, just um, get the offense down. All right. Now, you were, you were a really popular player at USC, so I posted last night um, that we are going to have you on the podcast. There are a few... Uh, Fans came in with some questions. You mind answering a couple of those? No problem. All right. Uh, this is from, and there's going to be like screen names, so these might be a little weird. Hopefully, I pronounce them right. Bonkers twenty one. Okay. <laughs> Bonkers twenty one. He wanted to know: Do you think your role is going to be bigger this year with uh, Plaxico Burris and, and Amani Tumor? Amani Tumor being the, I mean, I guess you said the greatest receiver in Giants history. Not there now. Uh, do you think your role is going to be bigger this year? 
Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, um, I've been I'm starting right now with the team, and you know, just things are going well. You know, I just want to keep working hard and taking advantage of my opportunities. But you know, I'm you know I'm excited for the opportunity coming this year, and I'm pretty sure my role is gonna be um, a lot bigger this year. Yeah, there's a lot of you guys have a ton of receivers on the roster though right now, right? I mean, uh, you know, you got and some rookie guys yeah. coming in as well. Yeah, we do. I mean, Giants are known to uh, fill up the rosters with guys. I'm in, in our OTAs and for training camp, you know, just so we can have a lot of bodies out there. But, you know, we do have a lot of great players, and the competition is, is very high. All right. Uh, here's from SC81. He wanted to know, how did you find the transition from the college game to the, program, to, to the pro game, and did it compare to the transition from high school when you were at Taft High School over to USC? Transition from college to NFL is pretty easy. No, I'm just kidding. Was, um, <laughs> you know, it was definitely uh, it was, it was a challenge. You know, because you're going against grown men that, you know, this is their job. You know, this is how they eat. They go out and, you know, try to make plays every day. But fortunately, coming from my SC background, you know, I was taught a post-style offense. And to be truthful, I feel like the jump from high school to college was a, was, a, was a little tougher because I think physically you're not ready, you know. I wasn't that ready to, um, you know, lifting weights and knowing it was like a job going to SC. So I'm used to that now, and um, the, the jump was a little easier going to the NFL. All right, this one's from uh, USC coach. I don't know if he's actually on the staff. I don't think so, but he just, I guess he's a big fan of the coaches. But he wanted to know, what did you learn at USC that most helped you transition to the NFL? Mm, uh, I think I learned just being competitive, competition. You know, SC, um, you know, there was guys coming in every year to try and, you know, take your job. They were trying to over-recruit you, you know, out-recruit you, whatever, out of your position at SC. And we just have so many great players. And fortunately, me, you know, competing against those guys, I was ready to come to the NFL and try to make a name for myself early on. All right. Um, Ron, and Ron1960 wants to know, what's the difference between the weight and conditioning programs at USC and at the Giants? And I know the USC facilities aren't all that great, <laughs> especially yeah. compared to what you guys have right now. I mean, those are incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, when I first entered the league, the Giants' facilities were, were worse than, than our facility at SC, to, to be honest. So wow. This is like a big luxury for me. But um, uh, oh, I forgot what you were asking. But, um, yeah, you know, so I'm just really happy now. Cool. Okay. Um, now, sometimes people would label you as a possession receiver. King of L.A. wants to know, do you ever take offense to that? And in your defense, you did run like a four one forty or something at the combine, some crazy four, number. 4-4-1. Four, 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 yeah. Four, 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 people didn't uh, – I don't think people expected that out of you. But what, do you ever take offense to that if people label you that way? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, I feel like I'm a – I'm definitely a big-time receiver who has, you know, deep threat ability. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've been a victim of the offenses that I've been in, like, of my roles. You know, I've, I've just done what, I, what I've been, what I've had to do. And, uh, you know, at SC, my last few years, they expanded my role, and I, I showed a little of my ability to go down the field. And uh, this year, I expect to show that, too, you know, that I'm a, that I'm a deep threat and I could do a lot of different things in, uh, within offense. All right. Uh, D. Hagan had a question about your brother, Malcolm. Um, what would he wanted to know a couple of things? What would surprise people that that follow Malcolm uh, playing? He plays linebacker for USC. He's going to be the starting linebacker, number six. Um, what would surprise people about him, and how would you critique his game? Um, well, I think Malcolm is like a quiet assassin. You know, I think he can surprise people by, you know, he might come off as you know one of those easygoing players who's you know. You know, not that aggressive, but, you know, you get him out there on the field and he's just a, whole, a totally different guy, similar to somebody like Troy Palomalu, you know, one of the most mild-mannered guys I've ever met. But, um, you know, a freakish athlete on the field. And, you know, I'm just really excited for him this year. I think that he's going to, you know, um, show his athletic ability at the linebacker position, which SC is accustomed to. And uh, I think it's just a good opportunity for him. All right. And then uh, kind of a follow-up to that, Gunham wanted to know, do you ever, are you going to be able to watch him play at all this year? I mean, you guys have a busy schedule, but will you be able to catch any yeah. of his games? Oh, yeah. I'll definitely be watching from my hotel room, and I'm going to try to get out to the um, – I was hoping the Notre Dame game was going to be at SC, but I think it's going to be in Notre Dame this year. Yeah. I don't want to go there. So hopefully I can uh, get out to L.A. and make one of the games this year. That would be great. Did you ever come back? Or did you, I mean, a lot of the guys come back and do some workouts and stuff. Have you come back at all and worked out with Carlisle or thrown the ball around with any of the guys? 
Oh, yeah, I came back um, last after we won the Super Bowl. I was back out there with my buddy Jerry Rice and Leonard and Bush. And, uh, you know, I would I, I would often go and do little workouts with Mark Sanchez before he, um, you know, he's a Jet now, so we, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, me and him got some good working together, too, so definitely. That's very funny. Are you pretty tight with a lot of the SC guys in the league? Is there a lot of, like, uh, rivalry ribbing in the locker room and stuff? Yeah, you know, we talk. We talk um, often, and, you know, we talk a little smack here and there, but it's all fun. You know, we're just all thrilled to be in the NFL, you know, living our dreams out that we used to talk about at SC, and uh, it's just great. Okay. Um, there, this is uh, one guy wanted to know, you were the last, I mean, of all the receivers that came out of USC, you were the one that had the most success in the pros. Do you have any advice for a guy like a Patrick Turner who's going to be coming in this year? Yeah, I was just talking to Patrick today, and uh, he was just asking me how's everything going, and, just telling them to be just be a playmaker. Make sure you go out there every day to make plays. Don't be don't be satisfied with one day or one play that you've made. Just be consistent and uh, try to stay healthy because when you're not on the field, it makes it difficult for you to attain the offense and get back in the off get back within things. So just even to all the rookies, you know, defense, all of everybody, just try to stay healthy because I know we're all capable of making big time plays. And then the last one we have here, Marcus, uh, Marcus P23. He wanted to know why you think guys like Mike Williams and Dwayne Jarrett have kind of struggled a little bit in the pros when they've had such success in college. Well, you know, I think at college level, you know, Coach Carroll and our, um, the guys were so – they loved the big, tall receivers, so they fed those guys a lot. And, um, you know, their work – you know, I, Dwayne Jarrett, you know, he's coming along, but Mike, Mike Williams, his work ethic wasn't really there all the time, you know, just because – I think he got babied a little bit, and, you know, they just gave him a lot. He didn't really have to work for it too much. So in the NFL, everybody's good. Everybody's fast. You know, the coaches don't care about, you know, what you did in college. It's about what you do for me today. So, you know, that's just how it is, man. So, you, so you're pretty excited now heading in there? I mean, you got – I mean, it had to be feel good to get a Super Bowl under your belt, but you got to feel great going into the season. I mean, there's a lot of expectations on you guys. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely um, exciting. Because it's a, it's a new era for the for the giant receivers, you know. We've uh, lost two two of some of the greatest receivers that have played here, and it's just a big opportunity for us to go out and show what we're capable of. And you know, I'm excited to be representing SC, and uh, hopefully, I can continue my success. All right. Well, Steve Smith, New York Giants wide receiver, thank you so much for uh, joining us and spending spending a little bit of time with us. I'm sure the fans want to get an update on uh, what you're doing and stuff, and. Uh, you know, everyone check out check out his Facebook page. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. A lot of uh, intimate videos. He walks. Yeah. Through. I think you were in the shower a little bit with some guys. I don't know if you had to blot, you know, uh, blur some of that <laughs> out. But <laughs> no, I was just showing them around. I didn't go in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, check it out. Go go check it out so I can get to ten thousand fans. All right, so ten, we want to get you to ten thousand fans. I think I have around ten thousand something on uh, on Facebook. So we're gonna get all those people to jump on your bandwagon. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Giants yeah. fans as well. Uh, that's cool. Uh, it's really nice that you're uh, reaching out to the fans there and give people a, a glimpse of kind of what's going on, you know, in, in your life and what's going on behind the scenes with the with the Giants. Definitely, man. I I know what it was like. I used to be a fan of you know the game too, so I want to show them that we're all we're all pretty much the same. I just play football. Cool. All right. Well, uh, best of luck to you, and thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. All right, everyone else. We'll be back a quick break talking more USC football. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have a uh, special guest for us, someone we've only had on a couple of times uh, in this last segment. We're going to talk some USC recruiting like we talked about. Uh, but instead of Gerard Martinez this week, who uh, apparently is out with some kind of electrical storm or something, we have uh, Zach Lajado, who's a frequent contributor to the uscfootball.com. Zach, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. 
Yeah. So, so what's going on with Gerard? He's uh, he's got some issues. Some, some electrical storm knocked out his computer or something like that. <laughs> Apparently, it's isolated only above the Martinez household. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. He lives out in the Inland Empire, out in the 909. We tr- keep trying to get him to move uh, closer to LA and stuff, but well, I don't know. There's always there's always disasters going out there for him. I'm not sure what's going on. But poor guy. All right. Well, you're gonna you're gonna step in and uh, answer some of the recruiting questions today. Is that all right? That's fine by me. I've been uh, I've been training for a while. Oh, good. Ex- excellent. So, um, you know, Gerard really enjoys the international questions. So I think he's gonna be bummed. We have two different countries. Well, three different countries. I guess the United States and two other countries represented today. So he is missing out on some international questions. We'll get to. Um, first, we got one. Uh, a couple of them from Justin in England. Um, First one, he wanted to know how serious USC is about going after uh, Darius White. Uh, he still has USC listed as a favorite. It seems like he'd be kind of a big receiver. They've been able to recruit nationally. Um, Ken Norton is recruiting him. So what kind of shot do you think USC has? Well, this one, I mean, I hate to start with saying this one's a mystery, but Darius White is a bit of a mystery. He uh, He's a guy that just is impossible to get on the phone. I've been trying to get him on the phone for probably two or three months now, and apparently he's one of those guys that only talks to you know the the local the local guys. But I mean, basically, what 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 we can deduce from Ken Norton being his uh, recruiter is that USC actually thinks they have a shot with him. Ken Norton, in many ways, is USC's go-to receiver or go-to recruiter for for guys like this, and so. White's going to stay kind of under the radar. It, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what he actually had to say about USC, but he hasn't necessarily addressed it in depth. Um, there are other guys out there like Kyle Prater, you know, DeMarco Cobbs, guys like that that can do some of the same things that Darius White can. The only difference is, you know, Darius has the uh, the five stars uh, beside his name. Yeah, anyone has five stars, that means the fans are into it. So they want to figure, you know, obviously – He's a highly regarded prospect there. So, cool. Thanks for that. And the second part of Justin's question, um, talk about Bryce Schwab. Um, do you think see his, him as an impact recruit in 2010, or is he kind of one of those future backup linemen? You know, I, I can see him as a future impact. Um, you know, he's got three years to play, too. But one of the big things with him is he says that he's on track to graduate in December, and so that would mean he would be coming in for spring ball next year. That immediately gives you uh, a jump on the competition, especially when you've, you know, across the line, you know, you've got two senior guards leaving, you've got Charles Brown leaving. Now, I know that Schwab is listed as a tackle, but, I mean, that certainly doesn't mean he doesn't have the versatility to move inside. And so, you know, you've got three open positions on the line starting next year, and, you know, <laughs> anything's possible, especially when you're as big as he is. I think he's six seven and 320. And just kind of a mauler, so yeah, I could definitely see him sitting in there at a guard spot. Yeah, that I mean, just the impact we saw with Matt Barkley coming in the spring. I mean, how what kind of advantage that is, and it's big for linemen. I mean, linemen definitely take some time. So when you got a JC guy, if you can get him in there a little early when they're limited on time, I mean, I think that, that helps. Yeah, tre- another big advantage. You know, he's already you know building that old man strength right now, so it's not like he's going to have to come in like some of these eighteen-year-olds and deal with you know the strength you know, being that much different. He should already be, you know, up to speed with some of these other guys. Cool. All right. Uh, thank you, Justin, in England for that one. And obviously we always welcome international questions. If you do have questions, you can drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com. And hopefully you're enjoying uh, Zach stepping in for Gerard in this segment. Uh, we, Zach, we had, what do you have a couple of times? We did like round tables and stuff, right? Yeah. Right around the, uh, you know, the signing days and spring ball. And there's also that whole QBR thing. So, oh, the QBR we talked yeah. about as well. Yeah, that was that was some fun stuff. We'll have to see if we keep doing that in the fall. Uh, it was a pretty popular feature. All right. Um, this is from a couple of them from Martin in L.A. Uh, so the number one, maybe you want to talk about, Zach, the number one player in the country. Uh, is it, He's saying, is it me or the Trojans not all that excited or motivated to go after him? Well, it's Sean Trill Henderson. You know, he's the, uh, he's the offensive tackle from Minnesota. And... This is, I feel bad stepping on toes, but this is Gerard's guy, so I, I feel kind of bad answering this question for him, because he's, uh, he's actually built a pretty good relationship with him. Yeah, we just uh, uh, he just put up an update this week on uscfootball.com, so there's a lot of detail on that one if you want to check that out on the site. 
Yeah, I think the the deal with Sean Trell Henderson is that for a while it was just kind of assumed that he was going to Notre Dame because he goes to a Notre Dame Pipeline, if there is such a thing, high school out there. But he just doesn't seem all that interested in Notre Dame. And I think that for, you know, sometimes the USC coaching staff sort of, you know, looks to, you know, looks to the East and the Southeast before they look to the Midwest and especially the upper Midwest. And so I, I think there was this, this moment, like maybe like a light bulb moment that went on that, that Pat Rule sort of realized that Chantrell was definitely in play for USC. And so they've, they've definitely amped up their recruitment. They made a trip out there to uh, you know, visit him during the May evaluation period. And I think at this point, you know, certainly no bridges were burned. And I would say that Chantrell is, is definitely in play. You know, I, they're looking for a big time, uh, they're looking for a big time tackle and he fits the bill. Certainly, and uh, USC's had a pretty good record going after some, you know, top five guys in the country. They always seem to get at least one or two of them every year, so yeah. that could be another one. Um, he also he wanted to follow up with uh, some of the in-state talent on the offensive line. He lists a bunch of different guys like Chris Ward and Cassius Marsh and stuff like that. Is there is there one or two guys out of that that group of in-state offensive linemen that uh, that you uh, that you like? Well, there's. Um... The question that Martin asked was he wanted to uh, evaluate Chris Ward versus Giovanni DiPaolo versus Alex Crossweight. And just as in who would be the first guy that I think gets an offer out of those three by USC, I would say it'd be Crossweight, just because he's got more versatility than the other two. And I think that, you know, when the, US, when the coaching staff isn't necessarily sold on one player's skills at a certain position, they, they definitely go for that versatility. And, you know, Crossweight is – ready, willing, and able to play any of the positions along the line. And I think that, you know, he's, he's also the biggest amongst, uh, amongst those three. And so I think that Crossweight would be the guy there. As far as in-state uh, defensive line, uh, not, may not in-state, but I guess West Coast, because we're including Ricky Hamuli from Utah here, as well as Cassius Mars, Marsh and George Uko. Um, they all kind of do different things, but I would say that, that Ricky Hamuli is the guy here. He's already got his offer as well as Marsh does, and Uko appears to be on the verge of one. But, you know, Hamuli can do the things that Marsh can do. He can also fill the gaps like Uko. You know, he looked the best out of any of the three at the, um, at the Nike camp that was held at USC, you know, four weeks ago or six weeks ago. Um, there's some speculation. I think they're going to make it down for either the, uh, the O-line, D-line camp or the Rising Stars camp. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe who's developed from there. But I would say that if – the guy that best fits USC, you know, as far as recruiting, filling the depth chart, being versatile, would be Hamuli out of the defensive line class. Cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the save there too. I uh, accidentally combined two questions together from Martin. He had three. He didn't have two. So I was like, oh, I think I only had two. Three. Thanks for. Th- I'm going to blame it on my my bum ankle here that I was. Uh, we're down. Uh, USC had a little um, throwing session on Tuesday. And I went down there. I felt kind of uh, all the guys kept up. You know, I had to sit on a little chair with my, uh, you know, ankle in a cast. And um, they kept coming up to me asking what was happening. I mean, it was kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're used to seeing those guys be injured, not like watching them while you're injured. So it was a little, it was a little different, Zach. Did you come up with a uh, more manly story than a, than a volleyball injury? No, no, I just kept telling them volleyball. So, yeah, I should, <laughs> I can make something up. You know, you had to save a busload full of orphans being driven by a nun from some, you know, a, a meth lab explode. I don't know, something, make something up like that. <laughs> Uh, all right, cool. And the uh, last group of questions, this is from Michael in Canada. This is the first time we've had questions from north of the border, I believe. So thank you, Michael, for sending them in. He first says he's a huge SC fan, and his brother is a UCLA fan, and he apologized for that, but that's okay. Uh, with the linebackers and DT positions being an issue with depth, these are the questions he wanted to ask. Or who do you see USC getting for the class of 2010 uh, for the linebackers and defensive tackles? Uh, well, I, I believe that in itself is a two-part question. you got to look at it from the out-of-state guys and the in-state guys or the local guys. Now, there's a, there's a number of very good in-state local guys like Tony Jefferson, Josh Shirley, there's Hayes Pollard, Brandon Brown, Victor Burnett. You know, all these guys kind of come with, like, an asterisk with them. You know, if, if it's Tony Jefferson, you know, he's a little smaller than they'd like. You know, if it's, you know, if it's, Hayes Pollard, you know, he's not a true linebacker, all these things. And so, you know, I think they really go for, you know, the out-of-state guys first. And the, the number one guy is Jeff Luck out of, um, out of Florida. He is, he is the guy that they want. He would be the, 
you know, the Vontez Perfect or, or that guy from this class. He's head and shoulders above the rest. He's a middle linebacker. He would perfectly fit their needs. Um, seems to go up and down on USC. You know, I, there's many ways to gauge the interest. I think one of the best ways is, you know, how quickly and easily they will talk to anybody about USC. And that actually recently took a turn for USC's favor. Well, I've been talking about them a lot recently. Aside from him, on the outside, you got guys like Justin Macklin, you know, Christian Jones, Jordan Hicks, Kari Fort. You know, those guys are, you know, they're big-time guys, and I think that if I had to pick any of them that sort of talk like, like USC recruits and talk like guys that, that, you know, would take it very seriously, I would say that it would probably be Christian Jones and Justin Macklin would be the guys that I, uh, I would say at this point look like the most likely if anybody's going to, you know, be a Trojan out of those, uh, those four. Macklin's actually going to be at USC for the Rising Stars camp, so I think that'll be a big deal for, you know, Ken Norton Jr. and, you know, Pete Carroll and the rest of the crew. Yeah, Justin Macklin, you actually did an update with him today, so if you check uscfootball.com out, you can see Zach's conversation with Justin Macklin and, uh, from Tennessee, Tennessee. Justin. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, my girlfriend's from Tennessee, so I think she'd enjoy it another she was her Patrick Turner was her favorite, obviously, because he's from Tennessee. So, um, all right, Zach, what about if uh, some of those guys don't come through? Any, I know it's kind of a way out, way out there, but any major prospects for a 2011 class? Well, you know, actually, that that reminds me. I did forget to uh, to look at the 2010 defensive tackles. That was part of uh, Michael's question. Oh, sorry. As far as the defensive tackles, um, you know, it's it's not a terribly strong class, but you know, there's. The guys that we mentioned before, like Kamuli, Uko, Marsh. There's also USC has Dak Smith, who you know is just from down the road in Compton, and he's committed. He's gigantic. He's three, he's six seven, three hundred twenty pounds, and 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 a monster. I think that his future position at USC depends a lot on how USC does with um, their D tackle, you know, recruiting. And there are guys out there like Richard Ash and Garrison Smith, who uh, are probably long shots in reality, but they're still guys that can do some things that USC really likes. I would say that you know if if USC was to quote unquote fail with uh, their 2010 D tackle recruiting, they'd be in a really nice spot because in 2011 there were two guys, uh, Jalen Grimble, who is Xavier Grimble's cousin out of uh, Nevada, the ah, tight end. Yeah, the, the, exactly. the current Xavier tight end commit. Yeah. yeah, he's committed right now. And Mustafa Jaleel, they're both gigantic. I mean, they're both 15 years old. Six foot three and about 255 or 270 pounds, um, respectively. And so those guys are. I mean, it's a real nice safety net. It's like a it's like a golden parachute. Um, I know that Jalen's <laughs> all about USC, and I think Mustafa is very much about USC also. So I think they're kind of playing with house money with the defensive tackle recruiting in 2010. Ah, very nice. Okay. And then the last one. Um, how do you think uh, for this year's class, 2009? What do you think about those two positions? I still think a guy, um, you know, the defensive tackle isn't, um, you know, they got a bunch of guys that can do some things in there right now. And so I think they really, with Hebron Fangupo, I think they did a really smart thing, bringing him in. He's a guy that can contribute right away. He's exactly what they needed to provide immediate depth. And so, you know, you got, you know, you got a bunch of guys like uh, Jarrell Casey, who's about, you know, who is ready to explode. And then as far as 2009 recruiting for linebackers, I mean, I think people thought that it was immediately, you know, a huge bust because, you know, Monte Teo, Fontes Burfecht, they weren't the guys that ended up committing with USC. But, I mean, they got a – I mean, Telford's a brilliant player who I think is going to be a fantastic weak side linebacker for USC. You know, Jarvis Jones, whether he, you know, put the hand in the dirt or, you know, was playing, you know, strong side, I think he's going to, he's going to be a player. And then probably the most underrated player in the, uh, in the class is – you know, Marquis Simmons, he's a guy that I, I think, it, unfortunately, he's just a, people are less excited about him because of what happened to his brother. And, you know, obviously that doesn't have any effect on how good a football player Marquis Simmons is. But the guy is freakishly athletic, he's humble, and he's just the type of guy that's going to come in and work his butt off until he, uh, he gets the playing time that he wants. Cool. Well, hey, Zach, that was awesome. Thanks very much for uh, Stepping in, pinch hitting for Gerard. We got to have to. We have to have you on more often if you enjoy. It, if you like being on the podcast, for sure. Yeah, I mean, as long as I don't get ripped to shreds like Dan, I'm uh, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have Dan on this week. Uh, we did have Steve Smith on, 
So yeah, so all the uh, USC fans hopefully enjoyed that Steve Smith segment. But that was it was cool of him to come on there. I haven't talked to him since he. Uh, I don't think I talked to him since he left school. So it was kind of cool to catch up with him a little bit and see how he's doing. Awesome. Yeah, sweet. Well, yeah. Zach, thanks very much for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right, everybody else, thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks to our guests, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.